Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. Well, this was a very common sight growing up in the state of Indiana. In fact, most of my life, not the case here in southwest Florida, but most of my life I grew up with a cornfield in my backyard. Not that it was our cornfield, it was somebody else's cornfield, but this was something that was very common. In the Midwest, most of you, a lot of you are from the Midwest originally, and this is representative of harvest, which actually runs from September to October. See, harvest is when all the planted crops are actually gathered. So farmers actually will assist each other. I remember a story of a friend of mine growing up. His dad was in a horrific accident. They owned about 800 acres of farmland. Now, you would think that's a lot of farmland, but here's the thing. In today's world that has changed, there once was a time where you could probably make a living off 100 to 150 acres of farmland, but it has been commercialized to the point to where these huge companies own tens of thousands of acres, but his dad still has these 800 acres. And the reason why that's significant is because he was in this horrific accident and he could not actually harvest what he had planted. But true to form with the old farmer code, his neighbors pitched in and helped him out. So he was still able to reap what he Sowed. Brothers and sisters, we're being called to a harvest too. No, I know it is that we're not farmers. Some of us might like to be. Some of us would be scared of the thought of actually having to farm. But we are actually being called as believers to a harvest. However, it's unlike the farmers of the Midwest where they harvest what they plant. We're called to harvest what God has planted. And that is important for us to realize. Therefore, the question then becomes, where does God do His planting? If we're called to this harvest that God has provided and planted for us, Where does he do his planting? Well, the answer to that question is simple. He does his planting right here. He does his planting in the heart. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. Harvesting hearts. Harvesting hearts. Today we're going to be looking at John chapter 4, verses 27 through 38. Before we get into this text this morning... We cannot forget that last week, Pastor Jared finished the second half of the encounter of the woman at the well. And between Jesus and the woman at that well, we were encouraged in that Jesus himself seeks to save individuals from their sin. Also, we were encouraged that we cannot receive living water until we first understand that we are spiritually thirsty. And when we do that, when we realize that we're spiritually thirsty, we'll worship God personally. And we won't worship Him religiously. Today we're going to realize even further as to why Jesus went to the woman. We're going to recognize that God plants and we harvest. 
Ultimately, we're going to be encouraged to mimic the actions that Jesus Himself took during His encounter with the woman at the well. Let's go ahead and get into our text and see exactly what it is going on with this harvest that God has prepared for us to partake in. And at this point, His disciples came and they were amazed that He had been speaking with a woman, yet no one said, what are you seeking? Or why are you speaking with her? So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the people, come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is He? They left the city and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, No one brought him anything to eat, did he? Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the one who sows and the one who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have come into their labor. Amen. As we look to simplify these verses in one sentence, that sentence would look just like this. When harvesting hearts, we rely on God's timing, redemption, growth, and teamwork. So really, we could say it like this. We rely on God's timing, His redemption, His growth, and His team that He has put together. That is very important that we realize as we look at the rest of this text this morning that everything hinges upon God and what He has already given for us, what He has already called us to do, especially as it pertains to what He's planted and what it is He's asking us to reap from His harvest. So let's go ahead and get into our first verse here, 27, where it says, His disciples came and they were amazed that He had been speaking with a woman. Now, you will remember this from last week and the week before, but Again, this is because Jewish men didn't even speak to women in their own household in public. Now, he's not only speaking to a stranger, but he's speaking to a Samaritan woman. So, he's speaking to a non-Jewish woman in public. It's one thing if he would have been speaking to a Jewish woman, which was still taboo in public, but he was doing so with a Samaritan woman. Though his disciples were amazed, as we see here, what does it say? Yet no one said, even though this is happening, he's doing something that goes against their cultural customs. It says, the disciples said, what are you seeking? Or why are you speaking with her? No one even said that. They were amazed at what they were seeing publicly, but nobody dared to say a word. And without reading into this too much, We can ascertain this, that both the woman at the well and his disciples alike were both actually amazed. And you're going to see more of that as we get through these verses this morning. Not only were his disciples amazed at what they were seeing, but this woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, she was amazed too. However, what's even more amazing to me as I read this text 
is God's timing. God's timing is amazing. The disciples return from what we know would be their grocery shopping. Remember, they went to go get food. So after they go and get food and leave Jesus, as he goes to the well, they come back, and this right here is the opportunity that we see with the woman. And when Jesus was speaking to this woman and the disciples were coming back, she, at that very moment, had opportunity to ask Jesus a few follow-up questions. Now, we know from the last two weeks the nature of the conversation that they had, but now that it's coming to the point to where she can ask Jesus a few questions to figure out what it is that he's actually getting at, the disciples show up. And because the disciples show up, that she was speaking to Jesus, she knew that it was time to go because she knew that cultural custom. So she quietly exited And she did this not only quietly, but she did it quickly. And it's depicted in verse 28 as we move on. But before we move on to verse 28, brothers and sisters, we cannot go any further this morning without stating this. Any application that you see, any application that you glean from today's text as it pertains to harvesting hearts, Please give credence to God's timing and give credence to God's redemption. That's what we're seeing here in the text. So first, let's give some credence to his timing. What does it say? She left so quickly and so quietly, she left her water pot. Jesus, as the disciples returned, This is exactly what we see happening. God's timing made it so that she had to leave and return back into the city. So she has this encounter with Jesus. The disciples show right back up, and immediately she's forced to go back into the city. Then she says, as she goes back into the city, as we see in our text, she says, Come see a man who told me all things that I have done. Like She's now excited. She's boasting about this Jesus. He's... He's told me everything that I have done. So one minute, if you remember, she's avoiding the gossip by going to the well at the sixth hour. Remember, she went to the well at an hour where all the other ladies wouldn't have been at the well because she knows that she has a past and she doesn't want to be around other people who know about her past. So she doesn't want to be the subject or want to be seen So she will become the subject of their conversation. So she's trying to avoid people. But now she's running back to that same city, the people that she was trying to avoid. And now she's saying, I just met this man at the well, and he's told me everything that I've ever done that's wrong. It's not like everyone didn't already know. She's going back to the city and saying this. It's not like they didn't know that she's already been married five times. It's not like they didn't know that the man that she's living with was not her husband. She's going back to tell on herself to people who already know what she's done. Secondly, If we're going to give credence to God's timing, we need to give credence to his redemption. And I think that's very clear with what we see her doing, right? She's, because of God's timing, forced to go back. And now she's just admitting to everybody because of what Jesus has said to her, her sin. Brothers and sisters, is this not what Jesus does? 
is this not what Jesus has done in our lives? Does, does Jesus not expose our sinfulness? When we encountered Christ, when we came to a saving faith in Jesus, was our sin not exposed to us? This morning, it was, it was commented that when I got saved, Mike said, I, I realized how sinful I was. Or maybe, actually, I think what was said was, I was more of a sinner after I got saved. But it wasn't that Mike was really more of a sinner. It was that he was more aware of his sinfulness. See, that's what's happening with this lady She knows that Jesus knows. She already knew that other people knew, but now she feels free to experience God's redemption here. So really, shouldn't we be doing the same? Shouldn't we be boasting about our Savior who's going to return? We should boast about the relief that Jesus provides because It's not a coincidence that one minute she's avoiding the gossip and then the next minute she's going right back into the middle of the gossip and she's able to do that because she feels relieved because her sin has been exposed. He alone, Jesus alone, relieves us of the weight of sin. And that's what we see her doing. She feels relieved of the weight of sin. We all carry around sin like a 16-pound bowling ball, just like your Uncle Al used to do for his Thursday night bowling league, traveling to and fro. It's, it's not hard to tell who's going to bowling league. They're just carrying that ball with them. Well, in today's world, maybe two balls or three balls. You know, you got one for your strikes and your spares if you're technical with bowling. Or maybe your luggage you know, or maybe a, a trailer on a car. I mean, that's how bad our sin sticks out. But it's a relief to not have to carry that weight, and that relief is only found in the person and work of Jesus. Here's a woman avoiding gossip one minute and then bragging about the man who exposed that in which the other people were gossiping about her for. It's the whole entire reason why we even showed up today. You didn't show up today. I hope you didn't show up today because you think you're a good person and, you know, God owes you a favor. No. This is the whole entire reason why we showed up today. We showed up today because we want to sing songs boasting about the Lord. We showed up today because we want to hear His Word convict us so we can be encouraged to keep boasting about Him. We showed up today to worship our Messiah. And the woman at the well, when she goes back into the city, it's abundantly clear she's starting to realize exactly who Jesus is. And it's all because of this. Right here in verse 30, what does it say? They left the city and were coming to Him. Now, make this note. Verse 30 is the harvest. Uh, If you have your Bible with you, if you want to write it on your note card, verse 30 is the harvest in which Jesus is about ready to reference. 
So as we move on to verses 31 and 33, we're going to see this reference. We observe the setup that proves Jesus' point that he's about ready to make. They tell him to eat something. His disciples tell him, eat something. Jesus says, what does he say? I have food to eat that you do not know about. His disciples responded, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? Clearly, the disciples saw no observable food. Jesus wasn't talking about food that you consume. He wasn't talking about the consumption of food. See, he was talking about what's revealed in verse 30. He's talking about the harvest. They left the city and were coming to him. He was talking about harvesting hearts. Brothers and sisters, hearts are harvested according to God's time. Hearts are harvested according to God's redemption. However, they're also harvested according to Him who gives the growth. We recognize this from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6-8. through 8. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, there's a little bit of an issue going on because those in the church in Corinth actually were arguing over who they follow. They weren't arguing over following Jesus. No, they were saying, I follow Paul. Some were saying, I follow Apollos. But Paul had something to say to all of them regarding who it is they actually should be following. I want to read this for you. It's up on your screen. Paul writes, I planted, Paulus watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. Now the one who plants and the one who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. So as we progress through these verses and we look at verses 36, 37, and 38, Jesus' words correspond with Paul's sentiment right here in verse 36. Because Jesus is saying the same thing. In fact, I'm pretty sure this is exactly where Paul got what he got when he wrote what he wrote to the church in Corinth. But 36 says, One who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life. One who sows and the one who reaps may rejoice together. We rejoice together because Jesus is God's redemption. If you want to know what redemption looks like, look no further than Jesus. Again, in verse 37, one sows and another reaps. Brothers and sisters, there are hearts in which God has prepared and we are going to need each other to labor in the harvest together. Now, let's apply some practical application to this collective reaping and sowing. See, in fact, we'll draw from an illustration just right here at Villa's Grace with Centro Cristiano, J-O-H, in Honduras. What do we see happening? What is it that's actually going on? It's everything that we see in this text. Hearts need to be harvested. So what's happened? Cody and Hennessy 
are ready in two weeks to go down to Honduras, take supplies with them, but most importantly, take the gospel with them. They didn't build the church. They didn't invite the people. They're just called to go. Somebody else built the church. Somebody else has invited the people. But now with God's timing, it's time for Cody and Hennessy to go down and share the gospel, a.k.a. God's redemption. But then where does that put us? See, as a local church, we're sending two of our representatives to go to the harvest. I'd like to end our time today by focusing on what Jesus said in the first half right here of verse 38. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Now, this is all about how we go about harvesting hearts. With that being said, let's just ask a a, a few questions as it pertains to verse 38. I want to ask, like, how have we not labored? Who are the others that have labored then, if we haven't labored? And and how do we come into their labor? How does all this work? First, how have we not labored? Well, You'll hear Christians say this, and I remember one of the first times I ever got asked this question. It was a personal assessment test. It was a pretty rigorous test. It had to do with, you know, figuring out my aptitude to place me in some form of ministry. But you'll hear Christians say this all the time. I was asked this question. But you'll hear Christians say, oh, I led them to the Lord. The question that was asked to me, How many people have you led to the Lord? See, when I got asked that question, you know know what I said? You you would think that, like, you know, the the guy who's the pastor at the church, who's, you know, in Christ's pulpit, preaching God's word, would have some high number, right? Some some statistic that's going to impress everybody. My answer was zero. I just recently heard a a, a pastor last week talk about how he led somebody to the Lord. No, you didn't. You didn't didn't lead anybody to the Lord. Now, as far as the harvest is concerned and, and what we're seeing here in the text, was that pastor probably used to be part of the team to lead that person to the Lord? You better believe it. Just like farmers, when when they can't harvest, when they can't reap what they sowed in their field, just like the other farmers band together and come in with their equipment and help them in their harvest, it's teamwork. We don't do this individually. We don't do this individually. Again, Paul, what does he say? Watered and Apollos, or no, Paul says, Apollos watered, but God provided the growth. Verse 36, the one who sows and the one who reaps may rejoice together. We need fellowship. We need to be in this together. We don't do this individually. We rejoice together because this is a team effort. Secondly, who are the others that have labored then? 
We don't know who, but God had already sent someone in beforehand to do the planting, even with this city. When they started to come to Him, He had already prepared them. Seeds had already been planted. And it wasn't until that they were ready to come to Him that they were ready to have their hearts harvested and hear the Gospel. Hopefully, just like Cody and Hennessy's do down at Central Cristiano, J-O-H in Honduras. Hopefully, that's the stories that we get when they come back. But maybe those won't be the stories. And it doesn't matter. What matters is obedience to what God is calling us to do. Maybe Cody and Hennessy go down to do the planting. And then somebody comes back in and reaps the harvest. Maybe it is what we said earlier. Maybe somebody has already done the planting and now it's Cody and Hennessy's turn to reap the harvest. They can be participating in harvesting hearts. But what's amazing is they can't say, nobody else can say, can't say, we can't say that we individually led anybody to the Lord because it's a team effort. A lot of what Cody and Hennessy will be able to do down in Honduras is because of what we're doing here together as a church. They can go to Honduras with confidence knowing they have the support of us in prayer, in financial giving, for the purpose of sharing the gospel. It's teamwork. So if anybody comes to a saving faith in Jesus during their tenure there, we all get to rejoice. We all get to rejoice. Thirdly, how do we come into their labor? No one is solely responsible for walking anyone to the Lord. We've already said that, but again, it is team effort, and I can't stress that enough. Some give resources Some give time. I see individuals here at VG who give of their time and they serve more than they give of their resources. I see others who give more of their resources than they give of their time, but it doesn't matter. It looks different for all of us. We need the uniqueness, the dynamic of our fellowship in order to do what it is that the Lord is calling us to do. And quite clearly, we're to mimic Jesus and we're to be about harvesting hearts. We share this gospel message of God's redemption through Jesus together. So as Joe comes up and we close out this morning, we should all be encouraged this morning. We are not alone in the work of the Lord We are not alone. Not only do we have each other, but we have opportunities as we see to partner with other churches in countries that aren't the United States to do what actually matters in life, and that's to share Christ and Him crucified. We need to be seizing on opportunities to share the gospel because whenever we share the gospel, it is never time wasted. Never. We never know exactly how the Lord has chosen to use us in any situation. And with all that being said, I'd like to end with this one simple quote from a theologian named Versby. He says this, Those who sow 
may not see the harvest, but those who reap will see it and give thanks for the faithful laborers of the sowers. What an encouragement. One of the hardest transitions I've ever had in life was going from just solely barbering and cutting hair to pastoral ministry. Because in barbering, it's simple. You come in, you look shaggy. Or you look like this guy, I had to tell him you look like Einstein the other day. And then 15 minutes later, you're clean cut and you're out the door. You work with your hands, you get to see the beginning, the middle, and the end. But ministry doesn't work like that. Sometimes we don't get to see the end product. Well, not until eternity. And that's what matters. There may be some people that you see in eternity that will surprise you because you had an opportunity somewhere along the ways of your life's timeline to share the gospel with them and you played a part. You were part of that team. And that's why Miss Hallie always says, That's right, go team. Especially when we do not always see the fruit of our labor. And this is the reason why we said this morning, our main idea, putting these verses together. When we harvest hearts, we rely on God's timing, His redemption, His growth, and His teamwork. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We ask that you use us as a team to share your good news with others. Our prayer is to be used in such a way that people come to an eternal relationship with you. We pray for the opportunity in Honduras, Lord. Be with Cody and Henesis as you prepare them to leave. Be with them as they're in Honduras to be able to share the good news. The good news that redemption is is only found through Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.